right back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Final hour of today's show. Uh, but we still got a lot more to get to tonight on the show, but certainly this evening on KHTK. Kings basketball. The Kings will be in preseason game number two as they are going to take on the Clippers. They're down in Los Angeles, and we'll see how they do for the second offering of the preseason baseball playoffs. National League wild card just about to begin, and we will keep you up to date in this hour as well as it's the Cardinals as the team that uh, had that incredible franchise record 17-game win streak, the longest in baseball in several years, to get to the postseason, facing the Dodgers, who won an incredible 106 games, but finished second to the Giants. So those are some things to watch, but NFL is always top of mind. Same with college football. There's lots to talk about there, and we love checking in each and every Wednesday with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing good. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. Let's kind of start with the business, LandryFootball.com. I check it out. There's just so much stuff there. Uh, for those that are out there wondering, like, what? I hear Chris every week. He tells me great information. What do they get at LandryFootball.com? Well, we we provide a lot of stuff. You can get all of our shows there. we got our, our Twitch shows, or we've got our podcasts, everything from uh, conference shows. We've got a Pac-12 show, Big Ten show, Big 12 show, SEC show, ACC show, college football nationally, uh, national NFL show, uh, Landry football podcast, which I got to, just got done doing. So a lot of different shows that you can catch. But the membership portion of it is the film room breakdowns. We basically take down – the games that we, you know, Monday and Tuesday, we recap and break down in the film room all the games, the college and pro games. We do the same things with the previews for the upcoming games starting, uh, well, really today, tomorrow, and, and early part of Friday. So it's what we do. We take you inside the film room, all the latest news and notes in our notebooks every day of what's going on in practices and whatnot. Got it all for you. So we like to say if, uh, it's like having your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. If, if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. We encourage everybody to check that out. So now as as maybe you can help me and our audience understand, uh, this doesn't happen that often, Chris, but over the last two days we've seen pretty significant moves. Dallas uh, just done with Jalen Smith. Today early word was there was a uh, release of Stephon Gilmore then turns into actual trade, but for a sixth rounder to Carolina, what is happening with these two situations? Well, you're dealing with a couple of situations where both are looking at it from a contractual standpoint. Dallas saved a ton of money, not only this year, but next year, and they could use some cap room. Obviously, they've hit it big with Michael Parsons, so this was a player that in, J- in the Jalen that they like, but has not been able to stay healthy, and from a financial standpoint, it made some sense for them to do it. What New England does is what they normally do, is they normally like to get rid of a guy a year before. They weren't going to um, you know, keep him beyond this year, meaning that not that they didn't like him, but he wasn't going to be worth what they were going to have to pay him on the market. So you get something out of it, and that's kind of how all that played out. So while it looks like you know, yeah, they are giving up on him. Well, they are, but they're looking towards the future, and I know that both of those teams are – well, they're good teams this year, and why aren't they? Well, you, it, they don't feel like those are going to hinder their um, their stretch run this year. So we'll see how it plays out. But both of them were not in the future with their teams. Gilmore to the Panthers, already a pretty good defense. They were number one until the Cowboys kind of roughed them up this last week. Still a top two or three defense. How much will he help them once he's physically able to play? Oh, I, I think he'll help them a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I think that they've had some key injuries that they need to get over. This is a good defense. 
um, I think he helps them. And, look, they've got to make a decision going forward, though, you know, what is the future with him relative to the guys? They've drafted very well on the defensive side and in the secondary this past draft. So I don't know what the future is, but certainly this year I think he can help them. Other things that happened today, at least, would love to get your reaction. Uh, Matt Nagy, I I think as a coach that was probably on the hot seat coming into the season, just felt more comfortable with Andy Dalton and said he would be our guy no matter when he comes back healthy. Today, Chris, he says, no, Justin Fields is our quarterback. I'm not even faulting the decision. Just kind of the way they got there is a little bit bizarre. But what do you think about uh, Nagy's choice to go with Fields uh, going forward? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you want to try to get a young quarterback ready. And he's not ready. And you don't want to put it in terms of that. You want to say, we're going with so-and-so. And that's that's what we think is best, so on and so forth. And then there's a point where you – you have plans to get the young guy ready to go. And I think you, you kind of bring him along as best you can. And then when he's ready, you're going to know, it's not like you say, boy, four weeks from now, he's going to be ready. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's a gradual process and you, you develop more of a comfort level and the player becomes more comfortable in, in absorbing a game plan. And I also think there's some other options. They weren't really playing all that well with Andy. Now, that maybe is not a surprise to anyone, nor should it be, but do you want to go forward too soon with your future quarterback, and then he regresses because he's confused? Because what happens is you get on the field, and you don't, if you don't really know how to absorb the game plan, you don't really understand what you're doing, you tend to create bad habits, because this is where you tend to, athletic guys, tend to not stay patient in the pocket. They they tend to not go through the read progressions. And so one of the things I thought they tried to do, though, when they had to play him when Andy was injured is they kept him in the pocket too much. Well, that forced them to read, and I get that. But if he's not ready, then he was not very effective. So I think what you have to do is do a little bit of a mix back. You've got to move the pocket a little bit, give him some half-field reads, allow him to have success there, give him some run options as well, do some RPO stuff. I think you can do all of that. And then I think he can gradually improve to do some things within the pocket because you can't live on a steady diet outside the pocket. You need to be able to work in the pocket, outside the pocket, have a good balance. And I think they maybe feel a little bit more comfortable now. But, look, it's fair to criticize. I I don't think Matt has handled this as well as he probably could have. Well, speaking of coaches handling things, I thought we might have our first coaching casualty uh, when Urban Meyer's getting talked about on a weekend when you're not playing. That's not a good sign. Uh, even what ownership has come out and said, I, I think there's still an opportunity to earn that trust and respect. How, how fractured do you think that is right now with Urban Meyer in that locker room? I think it's pretty fractured. I think one of the things that you've got to be careful of, and this is part of, I've known Urban for a while, this is part of what now forget about the, the you know, the embarrassment of now having to deal with his family in this situation. You always tell players, don't do anything, Casey, you tell them don't don't do anything to embarrass yourself, mm-hmm. your family, your organization, your city that you play in. Well, how the heck are you gonna do that when, when, when you can't do that yourself? That that's really uh, the the first thing that jumps to my mind. Two, I think you wanna have um when you're a head coach in the NFL you want to kind of when you lose a game, even though it's a mini buy on a Thursday night, you you you, you need them to see you in the front seat of the plane, mm-hmm. particularly when you lose a game. I think there's something to that. I think you've got to 
you know, this is not, you know, that he, he used the phrase, we needed to clear our mind. Man, my man, you're, you're four yeah. games into it. You, you, you're not even close to getting to where you need to clean your, to clear your mind. You, this is this is not college. This is going to be a grind. There are going to be a lot more losses. I worry about how he's handled this. I certainly think he's lost a lot of respect in the locker room. Oof. I don't know that he can earn it back. I don't think that this team is good enough to get on a run and start to win. They're very young. Um, right. I think it's sad because you've got a whole ownership and everything that's bought into this, and you already are looking at it four games in, Jason, and you're thinking if you get that owner and you're a son, you got to be thinking, how bad did we bleep this up? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's what you yeah. got to be thinking. And and you don't know. You're hoping that maybe maybe we can look back five, six, eight weeks from now, and this is all behind us. But man, I don't know. That's 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 a that's a t- that's a that's a large ask at this point. Yeah. Talking with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. We have Chris each and every Wednesday here on Sports 1140. Let's get into some of the games of last weekend. We were just talking about Justin Fields and. Is he ready or not? Well, now they're going to give him every opportunity. Niners had to experience that a little bit this last week in a game in which I thought they had every opportunity early on, Chris, to to really get separation on Seattle. You get Russell Wilson in five three and outs, and you're only up 7 nothing. Well, Jimmy G gets hurt, and then you get behind the game, and Trey Lance is put in a tough spot. So if it is Trey Lance going forward, how 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 does Kyle Shanahan make it easy or make him succeed in their next matchup? You know, a lot of it in a generic sense is along the lines of what we what I just mentioned with Justin Fields. They're different players, but look, this is a team, this Niner team is going to have to run the football. They're going to have to run it effectively, rely on their play up front, rely on their defense to get good field position, and then put the quarterback in good position to succeed. What does that really mean? That, that means get him on some half-field reads, uh, get the ball out quickly. Um, I think you've got to, and I think they'll do that. I think you'll have a good plan with that. But this is a guy that that's you know is very bright, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of reps to get acclimated to running an NFL offense. And this was not the plan. This was not the plan to have him ready to play at this point. The plan was to work him, and they have been working him. It's just, you know, they've, and we always said that if the quarterback goes down, then what? So here we are. And now you wonder, just as you mentioned, you, you lose an opportunity and you, you, you tend to think, man, you've, you've got this game and, you know, you got a tough game this week. And, you know, what is this going to mean going forward? I mean, this is going to be a, this is going to be a challenge. I'm not saying you, you, you're going to fall out of it. Boy, you, you could potentially dig yourself in a hole in a, what's going to be a very difficult division right now with the only team that's still unbeaten. Rams are playing well, and you can end up, you know, two and three, two and four before you know it. And and then with kind of the same thing we've seen with this club, they've just had some bad luck injury-wise. It's a good roster. It's a good team. But they're in a, they're in a tough development, and it's going to really challenge Kyle to be creative to work around the quarterback is – you know, they've got a really good quarterback in Arizona. They've got a really good one in Seattle. They've got a really good one in Los Angeles with the Rams. So this certainly puts the, the Niners in the behind the eight ball in terms of, yeah, it's a good roster. Um, they were probably fourth in terms of how you rank the quarterbacks anyway, even with Jimmy G. But now you've got a younger guy. What can you get out of him? That's going to be the key and probably going to determine, you know, how successful this team could be going forward. 
You know, I'm thinking about, and I got to commend you last week. You said, watch out, you, watch out for this Cardinals team against the Rams based on the Rams kind of investing everything they had, going all in and beating the, the Bucks, which they did, but maybe a little letdown. And that certainly happened because the Cardinals were great last week. What do you think about Arizona as the undefeated team that's left and, and the challenge that uh, the Niners have in that one? Well, they, they are playing well. Kyler Murray's playing well. Um, they're really getting all the receivers involved in the offense. I think the pass rush has been good. It's a really good team. I'm curious to see how it sustains and whether the Niners can go on the road and get one here is going to be intriguing, but they're, they're hot right now. Now this is, this is going to be interesting to see if they can continue to keep it up. I, I think this garden team is good, but um, I, you know, I, I don't think they're in any way like the dominant team that no one can catch. I think, I think still this is going to be a long, tough race in this division, but they're they're clearly off to the best start, and they're clearly the team that said, hey, come out and get us. They're playing well, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, talking with Chris Landry here, LandryFootball.com. Monday night, Raiders, uh, awful start. I mean, just a brutal beginning. Chargers get up 21 nothing. Raiders try their comeback. Uh, Chargers, I'm impressed with them. I like Coach Dale. I like the way they attack the game. Uh, almost a, a thought on the two divisions. I think everybody coming in thought the NFC West was the better division. AFC West, Chris, is really good. If you compare the two divisions, which one do you think is better? Uh, you know, I, I was said on my one of my podcasts this week, man, the West is where it's at. And in the AFC, yeah. NFC, these are really, really good. I, I do um, – I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you know, if I were to look and say – which one's the best? I, I don't know that I can separate it at this point. At, at this point, I'd almost call it a wash. Uh, again, the Niners quarterback situation may be a little concerning. We'll see how they deal with it. That might give the edge to the SC. Like this Charger team a lot. Um, I You know, it's a what-ifs and all that kind of – they really had a couple of bad calls. It probably should be unbeaten. But, but be that as it may, they are really good – They. I, I felt like they were an undercoached team last year, that they were really good. The quarterback is coming along. We know they got good pass rush. The biggest improvement is that offensive line play. That's a really good team. The Chiefs are not going anywhere. They're going to still be good. They just can't turn the ball at, at over at an alarming rate. They're still going to be there at the end. So those you know, two teams are really, really good. I do think probably in the end I would say the NFC West is a little stronger because I don't believe that Denver is sustainable. I like Bridgewater. I don't love him. I think that they can be competitive. I think they can be good. I think the Raiders are a little better overall um, because I think they can get more out of Derek Carr. Um, But I think both the Raiders and the Broncos are good. I just think they're behind the, the, the Chiefs and the Chargers. In the West, I see a little bit more balance. I mean, I, I could have made a case that the that the Cardinals could be one or four. I could have made a case that the mm. Niners were one or four and the Rams and the Seahawks. So I think there's more balance. And other than the injury situation with the Niners, I see them all being pretty good. And I think on any given day, we could really say, hey, this is the best team in the AS, in the NFC West. No, this is the best team. This And this is I, – I think it's a little bit more competitive in the NFC West. Um, if we look at games this week, which normally there's the Sunday night game we got to get into for sure with the uh, Chiefs and the Bills, but how about the Broncos or the Browns? Excuse me, and the Chargers. I mean, we, you just talked about the Chargers a little bit. I think that's yes. a really competitive and compelling game with teams that are both on the rise here. 
Yeah, you know, I break down all the games on Landry Football in detail, and that, but I have some kind of special feature games that I do some extra things. That's one of them because I think you're right. I mean, this Browns team is running the football very well. The defense has been playing lights out. But i got to tell you that, that this Charger team is really good at home. They're starting to feel it. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Justin Herbert is really, really good. I mean, I think he's – entering into that elite category. I think mm-hmm. he's got advanced decision-making skills, and I, I think he gives them an edge here. I think Baker Mayfield's been fine, but of the two, there's no question that I think the ceiling's a lot higher with Herbert. I I like this Browns team. I think they're going to be in that race, you know, all year long. I don't think the Bengals are sustainable. I think the, the Steelers are going to struggle to to get where they need to be, and I think the Ravens are in the mix. I think the Browns are going to be in pretty good shape, but I like the Chargers – I don't know, you know, sustaining a weekend and we got is difficult, but I like the Chargers at home. I like the way they're playing. They're a better team than the Browns, I think. How about Sunday night? That matchup is going to be fantastic. The Bills oh, are man. playing great defensively. A couple shutouts already, Chris, and then the Chiefs. Uh, what are you looking at here? Well, a Bills team that's on fire. I mean, it, it's amazing. That week one, how they lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. It just it happens in this league, but, man, you look at it, they have not been the same. They are running the football well. Um, you know, uh, Josh Allen hasn't been perfect, but, boy, he's been really good. The defense is starting to play really good. Chiefs at home, they're still, you know, more explosive. The difference is I thought last week they were more focused on the running game. That's the one thing with the Chiefs. Um, they got to protect their defense a little bit better. They've got to focus a little bit more on the run game. They did last week. That's going to be the key here at home. I just don't think that the Chiefs in this situation, I don't think it's too early to say these games are must-wins. I mean, that Chiefs team is good. I mm-hmm. think they're going to be in it. But going to one and three and losing this many games against, you know, division or conference opponents, we got to start looking at this a little bit more seriously if they go to one and three. I think this is a backser against the wall type of game for the Chiefs this week. Interesting. And, and I, I've been saying all week too, Chris, the – you know, the Bills have been chasing the Chiefs. That's the team that knocked them out. I think when the Ravens beat them, it was such a landmark win. That's what the Chiefs have done. They built that that status, and everybody's hunting for them, and that's that's a tough spot to be in. Who are the Chiefs chasing? Everybody's chasing them. Correct. No, that's absolutely right. And like we talked a little bit about, you know, the Rams were so fired up to beat the Bucks, And yeah. as you mentioned, the Ravens were even more excited to beat the Chiefs, as you mentioned, because that's been their – they're Achilles heel. And you're right. Buffalo, they know, just like Baltimore knows, that to get through the AFC, you probably got to go through Kansas City. I mean, I think the Chargers may be in the mix, but it's, it's about Kansas City. Well, you're the Ravens, and now if you're the Bills, if you can win, now you're, you're, you're enhancing your chances of maybe having that game away from Arrowhead. I think this what this game means. I don't think it's too early in week five to be saying, whoa, if the Chiefs go down with this, I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're not making the playoff. I think they still will, but I think they're going to be on the road and out, outside of Arrowhead if they start one and three. I just think this is going to be a tough hole to climb out of uh, because you don't can't factor in injuries down the road and whatnot. I, I think this is, you know, with teams like the Chargers and the Bills off to a really good start, if you're the Chiefs starting a one and three, it's going to be problematic. Chris, always like to talk college football with you as well, and you can get a lot of that at LandryFootball.com too, all the stuff you're looking for from conferences to big matchups. Um, last week we talked about it feels like there are two really good teams in college football. Alabama backed that up last week. 
And then Georgia continues to be amazing. How many pro prospects are on that defense right now? Oh, gosh, a, a whole lot of them on the defensive front, including some of the younger guys. They rotate about nine guys. The front's loaded. Dean is a really good pass rusher that has really improved his draft stock a great deal. This is a, one of the better defensive fronts I've seen in college football in some time. And look, I echo what you said. They, this is – I was thinking about this. Both of those teams, the, the Georgia, Georgia and Alabama, are so much better than everybody else that I would be at this point on October, whatever it is, the 6th, I would tell you that I would be shocked if both of these teams don't play twice in the yeah. SEC championship and the national championship. I think – you know, right now it is about if nothing awful happens to these two teams, these two teams are far and away the best teams at this point. And it's just about who's going to be three, who's going to be four. And we've seen the, the sacrificial lamb type games in these, uh, these semifinals. I, I just see these two teams uh, a cut above, and I don't think anybody's going to beat them until they play one another in the conference championship could be proven wrong, but that's how I see it. And there's some good teams out there, but I see good. I don't see great. I just see two great, two elites. Yeah, I'm with you. And I don't know how good Cincinnati is, but they had the win they needed. They got that one against Notre Dame. Yes. They could be one of the four, but I just don't know how good they are. Well, yeah. And they're a good team. I think, you know, you saw what they did against um, Notre Dame. I think, I would um, favor, uh, you know, Ohio State from a talent standpoint, Oklahoma from a talent standpoint, but they're they're kind of in that mix. Here's the thing about Cincinnati. You just mentioned that Cincinnati, with that win, you know, Oregon's got to step up and finish strong. Mm -hmm. They've got the win over Ohio State, but is that going to be enough? If Ohio State falls by the wayside, the ACC's already out. I mean, at some point, Cincinnati might be the last man standing, even though they may not be one of the four best, they're certainly going to be in the mix. Uh, this weekend, I think the best one on, well, Georgia-Auburn. Georgia-Auburn's a good one, certainly. But Penn State, Iowa, those two teams have kind of snuck up there with Ohio State losing that early one. What do you think about that matchup? That one's in, uh, yeah, it's in Iowa this week. It's in Iowa. It's in Iowa City. Both of these teams are really good defensively. I think that both secondaries are outstanding. Iowa does a great job with their split safety scheme, the two deep coverage that they play so good. Penn State's got great long corners. Penn State doesn't run the football well enough. Iowa probably doesn't throw it well enough. It's a great matchup. The key might be Penn State's, uh, you know, might be forced into making some mistakes. Um, I think that's the, the, the big issue that might be the difference in the game. Well, it's going to be another good week of football. The NFL has been great every week. College football, some good stuff. Chris, we encourage everybody, as we say each and every week, to go check out LandryFootball.com, all the goods they need, whether it's audio with the podcast or the written content, all the stuff you have. Keep up the great work, Chris, and we look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. That's Chris Landry. Again, LandryFootball.com, all that information, uh, cheaper than a magazine subscription, as you talked about. So get that. Um, all the stuff for the, the football fan in your life. Seriously, check that out. Uh, Chris, I think we need a sounder for the uh, baseball playoff game. Well, we're waiting for it. We're waiting for it because we have it a development in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird. That means the Cardinals have scored first. They get to Max Scherzer. They could have... 
done a little more damage, but they do score, which is important. Tommy Edmond uh, led off with a single, stole second, uh, moved over to third, and then a pass ball by Scherzer. The uh, Cardinals got several guys to the plate, had opportunities to score even more, but they take a one nothing lead on the Dodgers. That is in the bottom of the first now. Dodgers just coming to the plate, so we will continue to update you on that. But uh, Cardinals strike first, one nothing. We know what it did yesterday for the Red Sox. We'll see if the uh, Cardinals have the same kind of advantage there scoring first in this one. We will break, come back, still more to get to. Our Eagles tickets to give away the crossover, and we'll continue to update you on the Major League Baseball playoffs as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK, coming to you from Golden One Center today. Kings are on the road. we got our monitors ready to go, seeing them at Staples Center, getting ready to uh, take on the Clippers tonight. Remember, tonight's game time is a 7.30 tip-off. Kings Live pregame will begin at 7. Game night is coming your way here in about 30 minutes. Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner will have that and get you ready for tonight's NBA action Preseason is always a little bit uh, of an odd thing. Again, I, t- I brought it up earlier where there's an anticipation of a new NBA season, and the preseason happens, and you just want guys to get through and uh, not get injured, unscathed, uh, but you want to see how they execute. In the last uh, game, I thought the Kings did a really good job there for the for the large uh, part and got a little sloppy with turnovers by the end, but coaches are always going to want improvement. Coaches are never fully content and I know coming up in the pregame we'll be talking about some of those things and some of the comments that came out of the Kings locker room but I I think when the one area this team feels like they're advanced in to start this year is the continuity Uh, to have the fact that for the large part of this roster has played together and played a lot of basketball together so they're just ahead of the curve some teams have completely changed their rosters think about last year when a team like Atlanta was put together, and they got a lot of attention for retooling, remaking their roster. And remember, for better part of about half the season, the Hawks were below 500. And then they uh, got hot. They figured it out. They put it together. And they had quite a run in the second half and then really a nice postseason run. And with the exception, if you think back on that, about how Giannis had the injury in that series, and it sure looked like when that happened live that Giannis may still be out. Like, that's the way it looked. Like, is this going to be as damaging of an injury as it looks like on TV? And he was in pain. And then he came back. Came back in the postseason and had one of the great NBA finals we've seen by an individual. He was amazing. And so Milwaukee broke through. Phoenix did kind of the unthinkable. And... What does this year have in store? We told you the NBA GMs have all voted Brooklyn as the team to beat. I get why. Talent level is just off the charts. The Kyrie question will remain out there. Lakers should be really good. I know tonight in the preseason they were getting uh, thumped a bit by Phoenix, and Phoenix, who the Kings beat the other night, was playing more of their regulars. They didn't play Booker, but Chris Paul played, and more of the the kind of Jay Crowder, more of the guys you would expect on a night-to-night basis from a team that's defending the Western Conference title. They look good. Um, I think the Lakers will be a a really tough team to handle. And then there's all those teams that haven't broken through yet. Denver, Utah, that are just good. Clippers, these are all good NBA teams. 
that next tier. Portland, I guess, would be in a team that hasn't broken through. The Warriors have done it before. How good will they be? When will Clay return? He's a big factor into what ultimately the Warriors can do. And I, I was a proponent, thinking back into the offseason of the Warriors, I thought that was a team that had the best chance to remake, and I don't even know if remake's the right word, to add on to a good roster just based on the assets that they had. Remember, they had the two lottery picks. Whether or not they went forward with Wiggins or Wiseman, they had, they had some pieces that other teams would covet. And I know they were in the Ben Simmons rumor at one point, and I think at that time Philly was asking just just a ridiculous asking price for Ben Simmons, which feels like it's changed since then. But I thought the Warriors could have really retooled their team, and, and they, they didn't budge, they didn't cave, and maybe they firmly believe in Wiseman and Wiggins to go with Curry and a healthy Clay and Draymond and then the two draft picks as well. And there's other pieces there. The Warriors can be good. That's a good basketball team. Anytime you have Steph Curry, who remember last year, I feel like we, we get these guys to a certain level and then it's almost like we forget about how great they are. I mean, Steph is still one of the – well, he is the greatest shooter I think I've ever seen. But he's still one of the greatest players in this league right now. When Giannis didn't win it the year before, well, I don't know if he'll ever win it. Why? It was one year he missed. Then he comes back and backs it up with just an amazing season. And then now it's, oh, he's great. Well, he's always been great. I think the league also is quick to anoint people maybe before they capitalize on on too much of the winning. I think they're doing that a little bit with Luka, though he's great. I think they do that a little bit, though, with Zion. He's great. But they have to elevate their teams even more than they do um, to get into that other stratosphere that guys like LeBron and, Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Steph and Giannis and I mean Chris Paul has done that without winning a title I think he fits under that bill of players that just make everybody they play with better and whether they do it with the tenacity that Chris Paul does I mean he's just relentless he's not going to let you quit as a player and there's not a lot of quitting in the NBA but he's going to make sure his team and his teams are ready I think the Kings right now have a couple of young guards that make people better by one by effort in a guy like Davion Mitchell. I mean, he's just relentless. He never stops. And then Tyrese Halliburton. I love to watch Tyrese Halliburton play. So glad he's a king. And he would help every single team in this league. And he is not the most talented player. But that's what I love about him. He'll do whatever it takes. He'll make the right play. I remember the other night, G-Man was describing a couple of those beautiful, quick-touch, no-look passes to just set up someone for a dunk, for a layup. You're helping your team get better by having the ball for a fraction of a second. Boom, it's gone. But he made a decision that was ahead of the defense, quicker than they could react, and setting up a player for a two or sometimes a three. And those are the, the valuable players. Then when you surround that around the steadiness of a professional like Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes, and talent like De'Aaron Fox. I think about last night or last game too, when the Kings looked good for the majority of the game, and De'Aaron was eh, just okay. And you get to a point where De'Aaron, we have such huge expectations for him. And I remember that all these years ago covering Demarcus, where you have a talent like that, where we'd talk about him in some of the post games and go, man, Demarcus, he was just okay tonight. And then you look at the box score, and there's 28, 13, six assists, but just on the feel of the game. He wasn't his best self. But you can just tell 
how it played. He's gifted. He's going to get those stats. De'Aaron's going to get stats. He's that good. He's so talented, and I expect him to have another great year. Now, De'Aaron's quest is how can he channel that great year into more wins for this team. And it's not solely on him, but when you're the highest-paid guy, the guy that has the best chance to be an all-star, the guy that will get a lot of credit if this team wins, as he should, but how does he make the rest of the team better? Generally, he does, but can he elevate it? You know, Chris Paul's generally not on losing teams. Talent-wise, I like De'Aaron's talent more. Chris Paul took a OKC team two years ago. It was not very talented across the board, right, in terms here, because everybody in the NBA is talented. Don't get me wrong. But across the board, there were more talented teams, and he led that team to a postseason. Nobody felt they could win a title, and they didn't. But surrounding him with even better players like Booker or in the past with James Harden, those are teams that can flirt with winning a title. So I think De'Aaron's done the right things in the offseason by bulking up his body. That should be able to handle more of the rigors of the league, more of the contact and the fouls that he continually uh, seems to get more and more often. Hopefully he improves on that free throw shooting. The team collectively has to get better as a free throw shooting team. And then what we talked about a lot last year when Doug was here was defense. No one's going to confuse this team with being the best defensive team in the league. But a sign the other night, the end of defense is rebounding. They rebounded really well against Phoenix. That closes out defense. I thought they defended better. There were breakdowns. But can they be a team that what we think will be a pretty special offensive team, can they be a top 20 defense, top 25, uh, 20? I think that would be a range you want to be in if you're the Kings. That should produce more wins. That should make them a tough night every night in this very talented Western Conference. I mean, there's no days to take off. Um, What goes without saying is they can't get into that rut again of a brutal nine-game losing streak. And then a second one. The second one was the one that surprised me the most because that was when you felt the Kings had adjusted, added their personnel, had already lived through the brutality of what the nine-game losing streak did to them. And then they did some catching up, got into a better groove, added the new players at the All-Star break or at the trade deadline. They said, all right, they lost one, they lost two. This isn't going to turn into nine games. And it turned into nine games again. So avoiding those just monumental drops, finding the more consistent play, and then going with the talent. Talent seems to be in the backcourt. That three-guard lineup, multiple guards, five of them can all play and see if that fits in with the steadiness of Barnes on the wing that's asked to do so much and is still underappreciated by this team, I really believe. Not by the team, by the fans. And then Rashawn Holmes and the bigs. And if it's not going that way on a night with the guards on the perimeter, all right, here's the flexibility. Let's start playing Harkless. Start playing Tristan Thompson. Start playing Alex Len. Going a few bigger guys to kind of change things up. The versatility looks good. The depth certainly looks to be a strength of this team. And uh, the other part, stay healthy. Please stay healthy for the Sacramento Kings. All right, baseball update. No uh, sounders to give you yet. We had the one earlier. Cardinals still lead the Dodgers. Max Scherzer has pitched 34 pitches already. It's the top of the second. Cardinals lead 1-0. Cardinals threatened really for more runs in the first. Dodgers didn't have too much of an opportunity to score in the bottom of the first, so uh, Wainwright got out of that uh, four batters through, and the Cardinals are, I think, already to their ninth batter here uh, in this second inning. 
Um, yeah, they're to the Wainwright spot here. Um, as Scherzer has worked hard, but he's keeping this at one run, and that's the important thing. When you got a lineup like L.A., um, if you're the Cardinals, Wainwright knows he needs to try to add on more, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. All right, we will break here. We will come back in our final segment. We're going to give you your opportunity to win tickets to see the Eagles in this building. They're coming here next week. I will have that opportunity for you, and we've got the crossover and still more updates on this baseball game when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Final segment here of the show coming up in just a few moments. It's game night. Scott Marsh in the high flyer. Henry Turner will have that for you. Right now, though, we're going to give you your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles. October 12th, that's here next week. Golden One Center, I'm sure they're going to put on a great show. For tickets and more information, visit khdk.com. Uh, 1-800-920-1140. That's 1-800-920-1140. We will take caller number three today. So get in quickly. 1-800-920-1140. Caller number three, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles on October 12th. Uh, next week here at Golden One Center. Uh, during the break there, I was talking down the line to Chris back at the studios about um, the Cardinals. We're playing right now. It's top of the second. Looks like the Dodgers are going to get out of another kind of jam. They had a runner on second. Uh, the, the runner got to second because uh, Wainwright bunted the uh, base runner over to second. And I am definitely for a proponent for having – a DH, nine nine hitters in the lineup. And, yes, Wainwright technically did his job. You sacrificed an out. I don't really trust him to be a regular hitter everywhere. I think it made sense. Everything he did based on the the rules of the game made sense. But Scherzer certainly didn't look very stressed with once he got the second out. Now he's at the top of the lineup. And, yeah, he's still got to make your right pitches and he got to fly out. So still one nothing Cardinals through – uh, ending in a half, but if that's in the American League Park and now it's a, another hitter coming up, well, the, one they wouldn't have bunted. Two, um, nine hitters. I just think baseball. I was one that didn't mind the two different leagues, but I think as this has gone on, to me, I think what's the most interesting part about having a pitcher hit are the outliers, are the pitchers that can truly hit. Like we're talking about now, Shohei Otani, which is something we would have never suggested a pitcher that can also hit and plays every day. I mean, he did stuff when they were saying early on, like Babe Ruth, no, it's better than what Babe Ruth did when he was doing it. I mean, it's just historic how great Shohei Otani was this year. And the Madison Bumgarners or the different guys that can absolutely hit, that's fun. Or those that look so foolish in there, it feels like you and me would be up there. Like, what's the point? This is an easy out and it's standing way out of the box, flailing. Eh, it's amusing for a moment or a swing or two, but then you'd rather have some people up there that can hit. So I, I'm more for a change to have both leagues have the same setup, and let's have let's have DHs. So it's there is some more strategy to a point, but to me it's more about when do you take the pitcher out. American League is easy to do; you just take the guy out, and you don't have to worry about changing the lineup. Now there's double switches. Um, you know, Scherzer's thrown a lot of pitches so far in this game. It's one nothing, and that was the point I was bringing up to Chris during the break was when's the right time to take him out? Scherzer can throw over 100 pitches. He's not ready to come out, but if the Cardinals, for example, had scored another run there, made it 2 nothing, and the Dodgers get in a spot where early in this game Scherzer's up maybe with two outs and two on, 
I don't know. You want Scherzer up there? I know I don't, but I don't know if that's the time to take him out. That's where it's completely different. And the beauty, I think, of playoff baseball, every inning has its importance, every pitch, every time you get to a critical count. It just, whose advantage is it? Is it the hitters? Is it the pitchers? It's just fun to watch. Last night, we told you the difference in the game was the Yankees' inability to throw strikes. They had seven walks. Boston took advantage of all of that, whereas the uh, Red Sox didn't walk a Yankee batter, and ultimately Boston won with these. So it's one nothing. Cardinals with a lead over the Dodgers. Each team has a hit. Uh, Dodgers have an error, and so that's the only uh, difference so far. All right, we still have to get to the crossover from the morning show. So let's see what Carmichael Dave and Jay Mars have for us today. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. All right, Jason. So you asked us when was the last time we've cried at or about a sporting event. I'm going to ask you something else. When was the last time you cried? It doesn't have to be like, (laughs) I mean, like even like a little tear in the corner of your eye that you like slyly wipe. So your wife and kid can't see it. You know, that one of those. When was the last time you had one of those experiences, the crying that is, at a because of a TV show or a movie? And and by the way, please bring Chris in this question too. Okay, Chris, I'm bringing you into this question. I, it happens to me all the time, all the time. So the last time, last week, I don't know, a few days ago, you don't even remember what it was. All the time, all the time. What was the last um, big one? What's the most memorable? Yeah, one? like a real big one. Um, golly. I mean, I'm thinking about being out here at the arena, Chris, every time they do that surprise with a, uh, someone returning home that's Oh, that deployed. doesn't count. But, I, but again, every t- without fail. But sometimes I see those on, you know, the news may show, oh, this kid, I think this is the one I'm thinking of. It might have been now like two weeks ago, but there was a kid um, – uh, what was it? The way it was. Oh, it was pretty cool. That I think the father, or his brother, maybe it was his brother that made a sound, and the kid knew it would be his brother, and it was really cool. He pulls up to the school, and you just hear this. It's almost like a bird call, and the way the kid dropped his water bottle and backpack, and then ran into his brother's arms. I was like, oh, I was done. No, you got to. It's got to be something fiction. Oh, okay. Well, movies can. I mean, commercials. I can't think of the very last one, but I. It's once a week at least for me. Do you know yours? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the movie Coco. Okay. Niagara Great movie. Falls. Which one? Niagara Falls. I was doing a Scrooge quote. Yeah. Uh, Coco's great. Yes. You had seen that long before I did. Now I've seen it 100 times, but uh, that's fantastic. Which part in particular when, uh, you know, he's singing to uh, uh, When grandma? Uh, the grandma realize, realizes the song. Yes. And then she starts singing it. Yeah, and she's even tearing. I was like, oh, man, too good, too good. Um, yeah, it, it, it happens. I don't know. Is there is there a certain thing that gets you more like I was telling you, like those reunions? And to me, it's honestly when I see someone else cry. You know, like at a wed- like if someone – weddings, I'm usually pretty good, but if someone starts to break down, I'm like, oh, no, I was good. Now what happened? Now I'm – because I'm feeling their emotion. I don't, I don't know. Does that ever get you? Um, yeah, occasionally. I mean, I guess it depends on the mood. Yeah. It's usually like something, I don't know, hmm. tough one. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was telling you the one where, because uh, I came, uh, I talked about the question of the crying at the sporting event, uh-huh. and it was like, and I never do that ever, and then it was, mine was the last City Champions League game, and like, I was just like, oh, that sucks. They lost. I thought they are going to win. 
and it was Sergio Aguero's last game, and he's my my favorite player of all time. And then they show him, and it's it's his last game there, and they show him tearing up, and I'm like, oh my god! And then I start like tears start coming down my face. And I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So you react because like I don't want people that. like, oh man, look at this loser. He's crying because his team lost, but I wasn't crying because they lost. It was like. Oh man, I'm never going to see Sergio Aguero again. Yeah, you were upset they lost. You were just sad about him. Yeah, reacting to him. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I, it happens all the time for me. Sadly, I don't know if it's sadly. I just. Um, yeah, my wife will look at. I go. I know. I know. I'm done. I'm done. Lost it. Here come the waterworks. Yeah. Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Um, well, I wanted to play another sounder, Chris. We just don't have it. It's not happening yet. So who you got? Who's going to win this? Um, you know what? I am going to wait. I'm going to pass the buck here for a moment because you have control of the Sounders. Chris Verlott, at this point, it is one nothing Cardinals, bottom of the second. Dodgers are batting. You play the Sounder of the team you think is going to win this game. Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird. Okay. Okay. One nothing Cardinals game is in the bottom of the second. We will be back tomorrow to recap this game, to recap the Kings, to preview Thursday night football, which will have the uh, Rams and the Seahawks, and plenty to get to tomorrow. But more stuff here on KHK. We got game night with Scott Marsh and the High Flyer, and then we're back at seven for Kings Live pregame, and the G Man will have the call. That's all coming up right here on your home of the Kings, Sports Eleven Forty, KHK.